Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning in to the XO Podcast. All right, what's up? Hi, Steph. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. For everyone who is not familiar with this beautiful woman, her name is Steph Landerville. She is head of Subtle But True Management, represents artists such as Matt Doe, um, in the beginning eras, Jiqui, uh, Dra- Dragos, and uh, Fools of Wisdom. So many guys, right? You just have a massive team growing. Yeah. So uh, currently we're it's myself and then my five artists. So like you said, there's Matt Doe, Fools of Wisdom, Dre Ghost, Mike Dangles, and Remedy. Awesome. That's that's sweet. And Remedy is a female, right? A new female as well, right? Yeah, she we is. We have to get her on an XO mix. I know we've talked about that in the past, but we definitely have to do that moving forward. I guess I wanted to have you on just because you're a threshold in this industry that really is like male dominated, especially when it comes to the concentration of artist management. And you know what I was saying before, I only know really less than a handful of female managers who have kind of paved their own path and is on the same level as all the boys. And I know how tough that can be as like a female artist myself. So I think that's like super, super dope. And, and how's it been kind of through quarantine? I know you're in Canada, so it's a little bit different than Florida, Uh, (laughs) but are you guys in lockdown and stuff right now or? So everything actually switched up yesterday. Um, it's been kind of on and off. Like we had a pretty big lockdown. We just, uh, it's been a month and a half now out of curfew. So we have to be in by 8 PM. Can't leave the house from 8 PM. I think it's still five or six in the morning. Wow. Um, and they just now are slowly starting to open things back up. Mm-hmm. Um, museums just opened up, uh, stores opened up again, like malls. That's Schools awesome. are allowing students to go back to school. Um, but restaurants are still closed, obviously like venues, anything like that is still closed. Um, gyms are still closed, which has Mm -hmm. been like a huge thing, like a big, yeah. I mean, like they're kind of saying like, oh, for the mental health of people, we need to like open stuff back up. And everyone's like, well, what about the gym? You know? Um, so yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Our, um, I mean, I'm in Florida, so I'm pretty much in the state that that the rest of the United <laughs> States would like to be disconnected from. But we've yeah. we've had our gym since May, which is fucking insane comparing wow. the two different time differences. But you know, just from that like March to May, I know especially because we have jobs that are primarily focused around sitting down, being on our computer, being on our phone. Mm-hmm. The gym was such an outlet to me to allow myself to get up and get out energy and get out all this stuff. And like running's all good and grand. I mean, I can't imagine running in the winter in Canada. That's kind of a tricky, tricky feat there. But I couldn't imagine <laughs> just kind of having um, my outlet besides making music like taken away from me, like stress wise for almost, I now it's been almost a year. That's like yeah. insane. It's wild. And I mean, how have your, when, when you started to kind of take in the reality of everything that was going to happen, I know, I know from that time bracket from like March of 2020 to like June, everyone was kind of in this mind perspective of, oh, it's going to be a two-week lockdown. Oh, it's going to be a month lockdown. We're going to go back to normal, da-da-da. And I feel like mid-May, we were like, damn, this shit is not going anywhere for a minute. Like We have to buckle up. And 
in your kind of perspective as a manager, I know your artists were probably freaking out. I know like, cause so much of what we do in our industry is based on live performance and live shows. And that's how the majority of us make our income. So, so explain to me that situation of what you guys had to work through when you kind of had the reality set in that COVID is like here to stay for a while. And no matter where we live, nobody had it under control in North America, period. And, yeah. you know, you know what, you know, you had to change to, to move forward and make sure your artists are still progressing. Um, well, like you said, I think that first initial like two weeks was kind of like a, oh my God, we're getting two weeks off. You yeah. know, like, I think there was kind of almost like a, it sucks what's going on, but cool. Like we get to kind of take things slow and everything's, you know, at our pace right now for the next two weeks. Um, and then obviously, as you said, things extended. So it was a huge adjustment for sure. Um, we had, you know, most of the year booked for shows, festivals, et cetera. So we were really looking forward to that. Um, but you know, I think it was different with each of my artists because they're all at like different levels and we're all kind of, you know, none of their vision and their whole brand and their idea is the same. So it was a little bit of different adjustment for everyone. Um, you know, for someone like Matt who had, uh, he was going to the States for the first time. He had his visa, um, <sighs> you know, we just literally sat on our counter for a year, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I think that was, one adjustment that it was like, okay, well, what can we do now to make, keep that momentum going and to keep people interested and to keep everything going? Um, so we had a lot of meetings, like something I do with my team is we meet once a week all the mm -hmm. time at a, you know, very set time. And we kind of just brainstorm ideas and talk about like what we can do, um, to kind of just stay relevant right now yeah. and to like keep things flowing. Um, I think, in terms of my artists, it was just making them realize that this is like a year that you could sit down and really focus on the art aspect mm -hmm. to sit down, work on your music, work on your production, do tutorials, go back to the basics, um, you know, reef almost like a refresh of everything they already knew and yeah. to kind of just like rework on it and to take time also for, you know, branding, which maybe we had a bit less time to focus on beforehand, mm -hmm. um, which is important obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I think now we had way more time to just be like, what is the vision here? Like what color schemes do we want to go with? What kind of fonts do we want to use on our posts? Like, yep. how do we want our social media pages to look? It kind of took us away from what do we want our fans to see when we're at shows and when we go to festivals and what do we want the whole world to see as a whole on our platforms? Um, Absolutely. And I mean, that's debatably in, in my perspective, potentially even more important than the shows when it comes yep. to it, because it, it, it really does. We get so wrapped up because it goes from summer being festival season to fall being huge release season and, and bid the big bus tours. And then you go into, you know, the, the festivals around New Year's Eve. And then you kind of get a, a little break where a lot of people are working on music. And then we have small individual shows and then the festival circuit starts up again in the summer. So it's like, it's, you never have that time to step away. But I think the most important thing is, is saying about that like big worldly perspective, because at the end of the day, even if shows were going on or not, a show reaches such a small percentage, let alone the percentage of being an up and coming artist, which all of your artists are, when you've got people at shows, most of the time, especially in the position that I'm in, as well as your artists, you know, we're not going to be headlining quite yet. And, and 
a lot of the time I've noticed just, you know, half the people there aren't necessarily coherent. The other half of the people don't really know who you are. And you might get 30 to 40% who walk away who say, wow, Matt Doe was fucking kick-ass. Let me go look him up. Let me go find him. Let me go follow him. And it's Mm -hmm. like, when you take that away and you say, okay, now we're trying to appeal to a broad spectrum where we've got people all over the world who are now unemployed, who are now just on their phone all the time, looking for things, trying to discover things. It takes this whole different aspect that, you know, you can push out as an artist, whether it's Twitch streaming or doing virtual DJ sets or lessons or X, Y, and Z. That's another point of exposure, you know, for your artists that I think really will, will help in the long run. Because when we went into this, I feel like I kind of saw this like division in our scene where it was these people kind of had this perspective of like, oh, it's a break. And then it became a very long break where they weren't releasing music. They weren't really present on social media because they weren't on the touring circuit. And then you saw these guys that now I really think will be on these massive lineups when we come back, like Asora, like Control Mm -hmm. Freak, like all these guys who were making killer music. Their music was getting played out by all the big guys, but they weren't, they didn't have necessarily the right team to pick them up, to put them in the places they needed to be on the touring circuit. And you saw these guys really just flourish because it became about the music. It became about the streams. It became about their, you know, connectivity to their fans and engagement and not just about the shows. And I think having a manager like yourself that said, okay, like, we really could disappear in this time because I've seen artists disappear. I've seen artists that were at the top of their game in the realm of up and coming and they were like the next ones up. And then this quarantine hit and it was like, holy shit, I don't have music. Holy shit, I have no other way to connect to my fans besides playing shows. So I don't know. It's it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, that was definitely something scary for me. I was like, I don't want us to disappear and fall under the bus, any of us, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it be my company or my artist, I was, that was my biggest fear because we weren't, well, no one was ready for this, you know? Um, And, you know, I just told everyone, I'm like, we need to find a way, you know, I don't think most of my team doesn't really like social media Um, in general. They kind of want to avoid it as much as possible, although we know it's important Um, so we try to always plan ahead, be like, okay, well, we have, you know, these releases, these posts, and then what else can we kind of throw in in between? Mm -hmm. Um, but I just told them, I'm like, right now we have no other way of directly connecting with our friends. You know, we always, before shows, we go and talk to people. We were in the crowd after our like sets, we're always with people trying to just communicate with our friends, getting to know people. And that was kind of obviously taken away. So I was like, how can we how can we as a team keep doing that? How can we let people know who we are and also get to know other people through this? So we tried, you know, finding different ways to connect. I did um, with Subtle But True some Q&As with like my artists. I have a few more set up that I'm going to do just for people to know them on a more personal level rather than just here's my music all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, with my artists, like for example, Mike Dangle, something he did is he looked at his like top three or five, I don't remember the exact number, um, but fans, like people who always comment on his stuff and who support him and who listen to his music. And he sent them a a shirt for the holidays, like for free. And he was like, I just want to thank you for, you know, being a fan and still being there through this tough time. And people like messaged us being like, oh my God, like that was the most amazing thing. And yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. And it was like such like for us, such an easy and small gesture to just like thank people who have helped us at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Cause without fans, I mean, I don't, you know, there's, (laughs) there's not much there. So absolutely. I mean, it's such an interesting, like 
it's it's such an interesting way where before this kind of period in time, the main way I think to support, you know, an artist was either going to their shows and buying tickets to their shows or their merch. And yeah. like you had that. And then like when you took the one that really made, made up probably 75 to 80% of their income away, it was like, okay, so how do you divide this into multiple things, whether it's streaming, whether it's doing the virtual sets, whether it's doing lessons to make up that like predominant income. So do most of your artists have like second jobs they're doing? Are they teaching production lessons? Are they kind of doing a shit ton of all of it or? Um, so most of them, uh, I think everyone except Matt actually currently has another job. Um, I know that, uh, Remedy's job was kind of put on hold where she was working because of everything going on. The mm-hmm. stores closed. Um, whereas most of my, you know, the rest of the team got to continue their jobs working from home. Yeah. Um, so on that end, you know, they're very lucky that they kept an income going and Absolutely. stuff like that. Um, whereas, you know, for someone like, you know, even Remedy or Matt, who Remedy didn't have her job, Matt just had stopped. We kind of both put our, our all into music together. Matt was at that position though. Like he was, he was very, he's one of those people who I was, who I was disheartened for because of this year, because I feel like you and Matt and other people had like, this was going to be like their jump year. And there's always like a jump year when they take it. And it's not like, it's not going to come again. He's had strong releases all fucking year, but it's like, this was the year that Matt, yeah, pull away from the job. This is my, this is going to be my career. And we're maybe we're like, we're ready to make that jump. Yeah, exactly. I'm not worried for him. I mean, just the stuff that he's been sending me this past year that he's working on. I'm always just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, I think it was hard for everyone. Like it was such like a change of pace and, you know, even him, he's like, man, like, I just wish we could have had the shows we had lined up. You know, I was so excited. And I'm like, but they're still there. They're going to come back, you know, whatever, whether it be next year or this year or who knows at this point. Um, so we just need to focus on like, like, like I've been saying it to everyone, just keep making music because when shows come back and we get super busy again, you're going to have less time to be doing that side of it. So if you're just ready and you have, you know, let's say three, five, 10, I don't know, IDs ready to go that's one stress less when things get back and we're like super fast paced trying to go to shows every weekend or festivals Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be. So. And I feel like when it does come back, it's going to come back like this. Like, I feel like when, cause it's like, obviously like there are states such as Florida that are open and obviously they're unsafely open, but you know, everyone's living their life here and, and it's, and it's like, it never happened per se, but I think when states such as like the predominant states in our industry, like California, which will be the last one to open, but eventually opens and starts to do capacity things and New York opens and starts to do capacity things. By the time those two states open up like that, everything across the United States, I think will be open at a certain capacity. It's just, it happens to be that, you know, our, our uh, industry predominantly kind of facets and liberal in earth fluctuates in liberal states instead of like predominantly Republican states, because most of the red states I know right now are wide open, but that's not where we predominantly have shows. So, so I just feel like when that does happen, it's, it's going to be like this and everybody's going to be like, all right, let's go. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. So I think having that kind of output of music and having that stuff in your back pocket is going to be so beneficial as an artist. And I, and I think obviously I know like 
everyone's gone through some sort of mental capacity where they have not been in the best place. I mean, I have everyone who who in in this industry who I've talked to has. And I think it's just from the facet of no matter what position you hold, you do have an addiction to this industry. I know I have an addiction to being on stage. I had a residency that I performed every week. I was touring on on Saturdays and Thursdays. And you know, you do that for two, two years and then you say, okay, wow, I haven't done it for X amount of months. And you're like, why am I crabby? Why do I, why am I fucking depressed? Like, why am I this and that? And, and it's because, you know, this is what you love. And I think in our industry more than any, like social interaction is, is a need is like an essential. And when you take that away from people, I think that feeds into like the negativity happening on social media platforms and this and this and that, because everybody's just going like stir crazy. But when, you know, no matter if you were kind of in that headspace for longer than others, I think it's so important to do what you said. And it's kind of like focusing on the full vision. Like, what do you really want your sound to be like? What, you know, what's that, that icon that's going to match with your sound that people are going to know it's you before your name's on it. And all of those things are just so important because I think right now there's so many things that we're not seeing happening behind the scenes with these really big artists. And I think once everything starts to make that jump and Live Nation starts to say, okay, we're having shows, we're doing this, we're doing this in states that are closed, you're going to just see an insane output of music from these very top guys, like yeah. Porter's new album, like this and that, that are all preparing for these massive tours. And it's like, and if you're an up and coming artist and you don't have music output or music set to be released, then you know it's going to be a very difficult time trying to stay ahead with the big guys who have all the support behind them already. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, just touching base on what you were saying about how everything's just going to kind of open up from one second to the next, you know, I'm so curious of how that's going to play out for us in Canada, because here we've had, I think from what I know, we've had like one drive-in show that yeah. like I've heard of. Um, so I'm just curious because right now our border is technically closed. Like people can't from the States can't come here. We can't, go there unless it's essential. So I'm just curious, like, will the States open and then us in Canada still not be able to go? You know what I mean? Like, that's oh what, like, blows my mind. Think you know? about and, that. Yeah. And we have like our, you know, we have to get a visa if yeah. we want to go to the States. And, um, you know, we work with Alex and Brian, um, who were working at WordPath and, yep. you know, they keep telling me, they're like, it has, we have to take it one month at a time right now. I can't tell you guys, get your visa. And it happens to like last year where we got it. We were all excited. We did all, everything we need to do. And it literally has sat here on my desk for a year. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, I'm just curious to see what'll happen there. Like, will it all open all at once? Or will it be everyone in the States gets to play shows and we're just like waiting I off here? Hope not. You know, like it's. I mean, has it been excluding States like us? Um, has it been like very different than I would say the quarantine happening or the quote unquote lockdown happening in like the United States. Like are people actually following the rules? Like are the cases actually going down? Like is your government actually taking care of you or has it kind of been a shit show? Uh, it depends. I mean, here where I live in Quebec, I personally, I think it's been a bit of a shit show. Um, I find the rules just are at a point where they don't make sense anymore. So people don't know what to believe and what to follow because it's ever changing in ways that are like, it just doesn't make sense. You know, like we recently went into a stricter lockdown with the curfew, everything was closed, only takeout, only essential. Like you would go to any store and like 
things were barred off. Like you couldn't buy certain things um, because they weren't essential and they didn't want it to affect the smaller businesses that had to close that were selling non-essential items. And um, so we did that for like a month and a bit and things were finally going down. Like cases were dropping, things were improving. And as soon as there was a bit of improvement, now they're like, okay, well, we're opening museums and malls, but you know, gyms are staying closed and this is staying closed. And like, it's, it's just a little bit all over the place, in my opinion. Wishy-washy. It has like no meaning behind the actual like conveying of it. And it's like the biggest problem I have, especially here is like, I look at like states in California and obviously I have a lot of friends there. Like obviously our industry is predominantly there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it'll definitely be, I think a little bit different depending on how long this lasts, because I know people who have lived in LA for 10 years and they've left. They're like, you know, the homeless is so bad. We're not being taken care of. Other places in the United States are open and, and they're just leaving. And um, it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, you know, after this ends, because I think the people in, you know, California who I've spoken to, they're just like, we don't understand the reason why now, like we don't understand why this is allowed and this isn't allowed. And it's, I mean, no one was prepared for this, but it's just super hard seeing all of these people in LA where, you know, the living price is like times three of anywhere, any, like any place else. And, you know, all of these small businesses have closed 75% of like independent restaurants are gone forever in LA. And it's like all of the things that made LA, like LA are like just slowly really disappearing. And, and, you know, the politicians are getting paid no matter what happens. So it's really hard having people who like, their like livelihood isn't being like dependent or fluctuating on what is happening in the rest of the state. And it's just like a really sad thing to see. But I like, I know like it's happening places like, you know, where you live, where it's just like the things don't make sense. And of course no one was prepared for it. But at the same time, it's like, how do you like outweigh the pandemic with like mental health, with other like deaths, with other things. And it's like so hard to just compare. And I just really hope if this ever happens in our lifetime again, that whatever government is set in place is more prepared to handle this. Cause like, this is a shit show and it's so yeah. hard, like looking at places in like, I'm literally once this is over, I'm applying for a dual citizenship in Europe. Like this, like I'm like, Amazing. because this it's, it's, it's just so hard to like watch places. I understand like the ratio of population to others. Like you can't compare them. I mean, obviously yeah. one lives in a democratic nation. Another one is like a socialist nation. Like I totally get it. But at the same time, like it's so crazy watching like places in Australia and places in New Zealand, they're just at it. Like they're, they're back to normal life. And it's, it's hard for me to read people saying like, life isn't going back to normal. Like this is the new normal. You need to adapt. When I see other places going back to the life that they had before quarantine, because I know it's possible, but it's just unfortunate because I just don't think that you can put the dependency on whether this pandemic is going to go away or not on the like average American, because like you've made them choose between like their livelihood and their health. And like people don't think like kind of looking at like the aspect of like climate change, like people don't think long-term, like they don't think about their like children's children and they don't think about X, Y, and Z. So it's like, why am I going to sacrifice my life and my livelihood when there are other people out there who are like, fuck it. And they're making money because when all this opens up, they're going to be ahead and I'm going to be behind because I was the quote unquote good person, you know? So it's just, it's, it's unfortunate, but like, has the government sent you like stimulus packages or severance checks or stuff like that? Yeah. So I'm really lucky. Like we have, um, I think it's CRB, uh, Canadian like emergency benefit. And 
I'm lucky because I started Subtle But True, you know, which was my business and I was yep. self-employed and I lost over 50% of my income realistically because um, mm-hmm. my income absolutely for the most part comes from shows and festivals yeah. from my artists and my team. Uh, so because I lost more than 50%, I was able to apply and I was getting, at first it was 2000 for the month. I believe it was now it's 900 every two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, that we could apply for. And obviously, you know, there's chances of getting audited. So I had to have all my papers in line to prove like I would have made this much every month and um, all that stuff. So on that end, I really, you know, I'm blessed and I cannot complain. Like I've gotten definitely some financial help that was much needed because if not, I, well, it's needed. It's literally needed. And like, honestly, like, I don't really obviously know living costs, but $2,000 like here, like that, that pays my bills. That's, that's what I pretty much spend every, that's not like groceries. That's not, you know, the gym, that's not whatever. That's like my rent, my electric, my Wi-Fi, my water, and like, you know, my, my streaming services, like that, that's where like the $2,000 would go to. So it's like, even in retrospect, that, that definitely like helps, but I don't think it like puts you ahead, you know, like it doesn't sure. allow you the opportunity to get ahead financially and, you know, X, Y, and Z, but like, I'm glad that they've been helping you. Cause I know here it was like, so wishy-washy cause I have an LLC as well. So like, yeah. I was thankfully like able to do some small business loans. And then there was like the music cares acts program that had like grants, but all of these grants, like they run out very quickly, obviously. And you look at, you look at music in the United States and, and you look at all of like the industries and like fields of work and careers. And there's obviously thousands of them, but like, I feel like the entertainment industry is one of the only places, especially predominantly like concentrating on music that doesn't have like a union. Like, like if you're, if you're like an actor, you have like the SAG union. And if, and if you're in, you know, electric, you have your union and you're in plumbing, you have your union. And I felt like it was just like these wishy-washy grants that were like, oh, like da, da, da. And then the savior stages things, but like you can apply for the savior stages stuff, but you don't like the independent, like mom and pop venues that are now closed. I'm not just talking about like music venues. I'm talking about like comedy clubs, theaters, like Broadway hasn't been open since March of last year. Like I have friends who dance on Broadway and it's like all of these places have just fallen apart and all the big corporations like have lawyers to obtain that money, like the money that they don't even really need. So it's like all of these like independent places that would take chances on like me or Matt Doe or any of your artists to like bring them in because they have like that genuine kind of, predict like prediction of talent and uprising talent it's really scary because it's like are those guys going to be left or is it just going to be the big players who work with disco donnie and uta and paradigm and everyone else is going to get swept to the side you know and and it's it's just going to be it's it's going to be super super intriguing to see what happens i want to say all of the agencies because what you were saying with like you talking to alex from warpath it it was kind of the same way i was with my agents where i was like we had a call every pretty much every like two months. And I was just like, guys, like what's happening? Like, like, do, do like, do we know what's going to happen? Like, do, do we know where we're going? And they're like, you know, we can just take it a month at a time right now because we don't know. And originally they were like quarter one for this year. And then obviously quarter one rolled around and here we are in February. And you know, the places that are open are like, deemed like the devil places and then the places that are closed are like miserable. And so now they're saying quarter three. So I really hope by like September 
October thinking that's like maybe realistic, especially with like the vaccination rollouts, even though it's a mess, at least they're being rolled out. Like are vaccinations being rolled out where you guys are? Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people got like the first, like the first round and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know, I mean, I've tried to kind of stay off of the news lately. It's been like very overwhelming. So I'm not exactly sure like where we're at with all that, but I do know like one, my cousin's girlfriend who works in, um, like a hospital, she got vaccinated. Um, so I know it's happening. I know from what I've heard, there was like a pause on something for like the second dose coming in. I I don't know. I honestly just like can't keep up anymore. I'm just kind of, like you said, like it's, you know, some things are one month at a time, but a lot of other things like for my personal life has been one day at a time. I can't even look further at this point. It's such an adjustment, right? Like I used to start the year and look for the whole year ahead. You know, we kind of had a whole year plan of stuff. And now it's like, okay, for work, let's take it a month at a time. And for like life, it's going to be day by day right now. So absolutely. Well, it just sucks to like get your hopes up in some sort of capacity and then be like, oh, okay, never mind. Because things are still like in the States and obviously in Canada as well, changing day by day. Like exactly. I was, I was fully expecting, I mean, I know, I guess it's not realistic because like the mor- the mortality rate has substantially gone down, even though cases have gone up just because people like myself and yourself and people our age are out and they're, they're getting it. And you know, it's like, it's this, yeah. you know, sickness and then they get over it, but they're still going to get tested. Like I have to go get tested for my job biweekly. And then I know a lot of people, especially if they work in like nightlife or if they work in like uh, doctor's offices and stuff, they get tested almost every day. So like all of those things are being reported. And a lot, obviously if you have yeah. it, a lot of people don't show symptoms and everything. But I was expecting when Biden got into office that like maybe we were going to go into like a lockdown. Like maybe he was going to put like an executive order out and it was going to be a lockdown. But I guess all he did was say that federal businesses like the mail and like X, Y, and Z, they all have to wear their masks, which like they were anyways. So I don't really know if that did it. It like, it didn't really do anything, but it's just, it's going to be, um, it's going to be definitely interesting. But I wanted to ask you before we like, I know it's like, I feel like I could talk about COVID for the whole entire hour and just not stop. Um, going into like you starting your team, um, Obviously, what I said earlier, you are a female manager, which is like super kick ass. Like, I think that's fucking awesome. And you you don't have, you know, all girl artists. You have predominantly male artists on your team. When you started Subtle But True, you know, what made you get into this like lane? Like, were you originally like a raver and and you were like, hey, I want to be on the back end of the industry. I don't want to make music. I want to manage. I want to do X, Y, Z. Did you start as a promoter or how did that all like play out? I actually love this story. So I'm happy. Okay, yay. Um, <laughs> so I was actually at this place in Montreal called Beach Club uh, in 2015. And I show up and there's this duo on stage called Frat House and they're <laughs> killing it. Like okay. absolutely killing it. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys in the duo was Matt and I didn't oh. know him at the time. So, okay. um, and I was just like blown away. And I was like, I need to meet this guy. I was like, there's just something about him. He has like, he just, he's got it, you know? And I walked up to where his previous manager was. And I was like, Hey, like, do you think I could get a picture with those guys? And he was like, okay. Um, and they were like super giddy. They were like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like super happy. Yeah. You know? Um, so we took a picture together, talked a little bit. And then that was that. And then two weeks later, we, I went back to the same place and Matt was there again. I'm like, you're that guy. You're that DJ. 
Um, and we just started talking, like hitting it off. And, um, he ended up going solo right afterwards under another alias. Um, and my boyfriend and I, we were just like obsessed with his music, his mixing. We just started following him everywhere, going to all his shows, um, and just like slowly kind of progressed and became friends. Um, and in, I want to say 2018, if I'm not mistaken, um, we were just kind of hanging out. He was no longer working with his manager since everything like kind of had fallen through with the duo and he was helping both with yeah. them. And he was kind of just doing everything on his own. And I was always like in the studio with him, like, you should do this. You should do that. Doing paperwork for him. Just like, just kind of oh, awesome. yeah. helping him out. Um, and he was like, Steph, like you really like you get it. And he's like, you should look into management in the music industry. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, no way, you know? Um, and he's like, no, seriously, like, if you want, let's start working together. Like, just help me with stuff. I'll tell you what I think you need to learn. And, you know, we'll kind of do it together and see where it goes. Um, and I was like, all right, well, if we do it, you have to change your name. Cause I, I wasn't, I don't know the whole, it was Maradone and I, I still can't even pronounce it myself. Yeah. And, and if you can't pronounce it, other people are no way in hell going to be able to pronounce it. Exactly. And like, he was very attached to it. And I'm like, you could keep it on the side. Like, I don't mind, but like, I think we should try something else. And like, let's both start fresh together. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And at first, you know, we pitched a few ideas and I was like, what about Mad Doe? And it was this originally spelled with an H like Doe, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he's like, nah, like I, 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 it's not right. There's something off. Um, and he accidentally like misspelled it with an E and I was like, I like that. And he's like, me too. So we kind of just went with it. Um, and then I was still working on another job at this point and mm-hmm. it was a lot like just working with him, um, and trying to get so much momentum with him. Like we were doing branding stuff all the time. I'd be at work, like answering like calls for him, like on the side and my boss would get so mad at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, I think I could, you know, I'm really enjoying this and I want to learn more about it. So, um, Matt, when he did, he went to a school where it's like a production school, but they also do everything like management and, you know, the business side of like the industry Awesome. And gave me all his books, all his notes. And I just like started studying for like oh, sick. six months. I just like studied. And then I got, you know, I think everyone knows this book, but the Donald Passman, like, Oh yes. Oh my God. I literally no no shit. I have it on my bookcase over there. I, I love it. it. <laughs> and I just like study. I re I reread it all the time just to mm-hmm. like refresh my memory and stuff. I love reading books. I wish they were like more of a thing, but they've been like outsourced in like our generation for some fucking reason. And like, I love sitting down to like read a book, like, especially if it's on music, like the entertainment industry and all that stuff. 100%. I read like at least 15 minutes every morning as soon as I get up. And same thing, I go to bed falling asleep with my book in my hand and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, listen, I mean, that's kind of how it started in terms of the management side. And then, I kind of wanted to take it that next step. I was like, I'm liking this. I do not like my, like what I'm doing Mm -hmm. in the rest of my life, you know? And I'm like, this is really calling to me. Um, so we were actually just hanging out my boyfriend, Jeremy, Matt and I, and we were just going for a walk and Jeremy was like, Oh, I'm cold. Like, can you go get me a sweater, Matt? You know, we're at Matt's house. And he's like, sure. And he brings out this funky sweater. Like I've never seen a sweater like weird colors, like, zip up, like <laughs> way oversized, like no way this ever fit him. Yeah. Um, and on it, it had the letters S B T M. 
on it. Oh, okay. And we just kind of just like started like joking around, like making like, you know, words with it. And then um, I was like, what if we like take out the M? I'm like, I don't know, like maybe it's too many letters. Let's just like come up. And we were trying to like think of names for like a company or a record label. I don't even really know. And uh, I think it was my boyfriend who was like, what about subtle but true music? And I was like, huh? I was like, subtle but true music, that has a ring to it. Yeah. and originally I wanted to keep the M and do like subtle but true music, subtle but true management, subtle but, you know, and then I was like, why not just subtle but true? Like just yeah, clean and easy. It can be anything girl. in the future. Like it can be anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then that's how, you know, that came to life. And then I just started meeting more artists. Matt introduced me to Fools of Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, love them. Went to one of their shows. Like They're great. Uh, they have this crazy energy, these guys. Like they're just, they're two clowns. They're hilarious people. Um, just like, just so like happy all the time. And like, they joke and like their energy is super contagious. Um, and then I met Mike Dangles, who again, just great guy. Like we just got along and I brought them both on the team. They were kind of my next little recruits. Yeah. Um, and, and they then, all do stuff different than Matt. Like, like all the genres are very different. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't think like none of my artists sound the same. None of my artists have like a similar vibe. They're all kind of just doing their own thing, which I love. Cause which is great. Such an influx of like different stuff coming in all the time. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but it opened my eyes too, to like such different music. Cause when I first met Matt at that show in 2015, he was playing like G house, like bass house stuff. Um, Like that was his thing. And then I was like, you have a sound that would work in dubstep. I'm like, let's try that out. And we ended up finding this like super old song on his computer um, called Day and Night, which was his first release as Mad Doe. And I was like, this, this is just like, this is cool. Like, I've never heard something like this. I'm like, you're putting this out. And he's like, no, no, it's not that good. I'm like, who cares? Worst case, we delete it. I'm like, just put it out, show the world what this is, see if it works. And we'll go from there. And I mean. That's so dope. No, because he's one of the like, thankfully, I think, especially now there's more producers that have a signature sound and style that's kind of out in the open post, you know, post quarantine, post pandemic, Mm -hmm. because you have all these guys that have like flourished. And you know, like, I know when I hear an Asora song, I know when I hear a Matt Doe song. So that's so funny that his original sound came from like G House baseline, because it is definitely not G House baseline what he makes now. But I can understand like, the like infusions of like his sound design that comes from that style of music. But you know, he changed the BPM, he changed the signature style and like the other things that flow underneath the sound design. And that's really dope. That's super, super cool. So do the other artists live in Canada or do you guys have, do you have guys all over? Uh, So everyone lives in Canada. Um, Okay. Most of them all live like very close by, like Remedy lives not very far from me and everyone else lives about an hour away. They all live in the same area. Dragos, Fools of Wisdom, Mike Dangles and Matt all live okay. within like 15 minutes of each other. They oh, all that's pretty awesome. much grew up together. So. Okay, yeah. sweet. And then what we were kind of talking about earlier before we got on was, you know, you originally managed Equi. Yep. And and he's doing wonderful. He's flourishing. He's killing fucking it. yeah, Absolutely he's killing, killing it. it. And you know, we had the discussion that I would like for a few, you know, other artists or aspiring, you know, artist managers to hear about kind of you guys deciding to go separate ways and how it didn't have to be a bad ending and it didn't have to be kind of a sour, sour thing. So, so tell me how that kind of came into fruition and you guys decided to part ways. 
hundred percent. Um, I mean, we were both kind of just having our differences with the way we worked in general, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I think could happen with literally anyone. I think the main thing for me anyways, was that we had, you know, he lived in BC, um, which is a three hour time difference than I have here. So I'd be kind of finishing up my work day and he'd be kind of starting his and he'd, you know, need answers for me. And I was like, I'm having supper, you know, like I can't answer you right now, or let me get back to it tomorrow. And it it just kind of made the dynamic so different than what I was able to do with the artists who live close by where we're in the same time zone and we're Mm -hmm. on the same schedule, um, and stuff like that. So we both, you know, it was a hard talk, obviously. Like I loved working with it. We both loved yeah. working with each other. We had such a good time. Um, he's a great kid and it, it wasn't easy. You know, I think on both ends was just kind of like a bittersweet moment. Yeah. But I think we both knew in order for individually to like succeed in this, like it just didn't make sense to keep working together. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And it was like super easy, like super smoothly done. I was like, no problem. You know, like I'm not here to hold on to you and keep you in my life forever and make you do stuff that like you don't want to do. And like, if you don't feel, you know, if we didn't feel that we were able to progress together, I didn't see a point. And I don't think he saw a point of continuing to work together. So, um, yeah, it was like, obviously a sad conversation and, you know, both agreed that it just made more sense for him to, you know, maybe find someone else or work, you know, on his own for a little bit. And I, you know, I even told him, I, we talk almost every day still. Um, I always absolutely like feedback and like help him with stuff. And, you know, he's always going to be part of the, you know, SBT fam, I call it. Yeah. Um, he still talks to all my artists all the time. Like we're, we still have a group chat with him, you know, that we like mm-hmm. all just like talk to each other and stuff. So he's still part of the family. I think it just, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I think forcing something to work just doesn't benefit anyone in the end. Absolutely. Um, And I think it was more stressful for us to work together than it was pleasant by the end, because we were like trying to please each other and like making sure, okay, like I want to make sure that I'm available like at, at night, you know, for him, because we have a time difference and he wanted to try to be available more maybe in the morning. And like, it just wasn't working with our schedules anymore. So Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm so happy because at the end of the day, you know, he's not on my team, but like I said, he's still such a good friend. And I think his career blossomed even more after because he was, you know, we didn't have that like pressure to like, oh my God, I have to call her at this time. And oh my God, like I need to get to his, this info before this time of the day, you know, whereas like, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it, you know? Yeah. I think that you guys had like a good form of communication, which I think, especially when like an artist's career starts to get busier, I think if yep. that communication is like not established and put as a priority, like in the relationship, it can get like really bad. And then just like anything like in life, uh, change is usually like harder. Obviously, like it's harder to like change your like day to day or it's harder to change your team, even though it may mean like a better kind of outcome result at the end. But it's always so yeah. hard asking like, like I had a manager before that it was, it was in like kind of the same situation, except I was like, so scared to tell the manager that like, Hey, like, I just don't think we're like right for each other. But because, because like you as like a manager in your position, like you guys really sacrifice like so much, not only like financially, but just like time wise, like until an artist is at a certain point in their career, which is 
debatably like past the 50% mark and like in this big kind of like tiered level that all of us artists get put on, it's very hard for like a manager to get their like worth out of it, I guess like on paper or like data wise. So to have like an individual invest like so much time and heart like you really have to love 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 the project and like love what they're doing and i think like that communication facet is just so important because then i feel like if the communication isn't there it leads to like this like resentment and then like you leave on bad terms which is just so shitty when you've like spent time together and like no matter what it is like in my past experiences like I've always made progression with every like team member that I've worked with. So, so it's, it's always kind of like down the road, you know, if Jaquie blows up to be some huge fucking dubstep artist, which I know he's going to be great. Like he's going to blow the fuck up. Like (laughs) the team expands and it's like everyone who I've like, I've ever worked with. Like I like having and maintaining a good relationship, not only because, you know, down the road, we might find the right opportunity to work together again. And it's so important, especially in like kind of this circle of like up and coming artists, up and coming, like aspiring, you know, uh, TMs, artist managements, A&Rs, all that stuff that we kind of keep good relationships with each other and stick together because 10 years down the road, like there's a huge possibility that we'll end up working with these people again, because the scene isn't that big. It's like any other like predominant field. Like when you get into this circle in like the bass field and like, uh, you know, in bass music and dubstep, whatever, you kind of just start to see the same names and the same teams and the same people running everything. So it's like, it's important to just like have that communication facet and, and, you know, do that. And I, I feel like when I work with girls, it's a little bit easier for me to communicate than when I work with like guys, just because they're guys. So, so I can't imagine like just being like, um, you know, an artist manager and like you having to communicate not only with like mostly guys in the industry, but most of your artists are guys too. So like, have you ever been put in positions? Like I know I've been put in positions where I've been like, you know, maybe not said directly, but your words haven't been taken seriously or like X, Y, and Z because you're like a female. So like, have you ever gone through something like that? Um, I mean, not that I really know of. I don't think, you know, I think I'm really lucky that all the artists on my That's awesome. Yeah. No, I think, you know, all the artists on my team are really good friends before Mm -hmm. anything, um, which I think is so important. You know, if I can't get along with you on a personal level, how am I going to work with you every single day? You know what I mean? Um, So that respect for one another and that understanding of each other was already there um, before I started working with them. And, you know, it's something I do with anyone who wants to join the team or any artist who's already on the team is I kind of I get to know you first as a person. We don't even, I don't even allow people to talk business with me. If that's the first thing, like, it's like, I want to work with you because I'm like, well, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Um, so we really got like, we, I took time with everybody. I knew, you know, Matt, I knew like for four years before we officially started working together. Uh, someone like Dragos, I knew for like two and a half years before we started working together. Um, and I just take that time to get to know people so that, we already build that respect and that relationship together. Um, and I think, you know, they, they wanted to be on the team because they know that I could bring something to the table as much as they could bring something to the table as well with their art. Um, so there's so much respect there. And, and, you know, everyone I've connected with so far in the industry, you know, it's been just good experiences for me so far. Um, and the ones that, you know, I got bad vibes from, I just was like, 
I don't need to talk to this person if I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, no, it's, you know, I'm very happy to say that it's only been, you know, good experiences. If people didn't take me seriously, well, then I had no idea. And I mean, that's on them, not at me at that point. Um, yeah, definitely. So. No, absolutely. And I feel like now more than ever, thankfully, like I've had like a few run-ins, but nothing like, I guess you would say that's like detrimental, but it's kind of the attitude yeah. that you have where it's like, if I get that vibe that like, you don't respect me or you do X, Y, and Z, like there's like a million other people who I can talk to and probably get the same service from or collaborate with or do, you know, whatever from people who respect you. And I think there's like a predominant kind of uh, group of people right now that like really want to see, um, you know, whether it's women, whether it's people of different races, like really come into their own in this industry and, and, you know, whether it has to correlate with, you know, quarantine or other stuff, I feel like this focus has finally been kind of put on, you know, the people who serve as like minorities within our industry and the discussion has like now kind of opened up. And it's like, that's why I started this podcast. That's why I see other people like discussing it because it's like this issue that kind of gets like swept to the side and it's so important. And it's so important to like further our industry and develop our industry over time. If you discuss these things that, you know, should be like brought into light. And I feel like the same goes with like mental health and like all of that other stuff. And it's like, I feel like, you as like an artist manager, like when, when I look at an artist, like I see them, but like, I also see their team. And so it's like, when I know that like someone's like going through it or they, they've had a really bad problem or something bad has happened, it's kind of like, okay, like where was their manager at? Where was their TM at? Like, where were they all at to be like there for them and like to keep them in check? Cause I feel like, I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong too, but I feel like, especially in your position, like not only you like, are you like a mom and a boss and like X, Y, and Z? Like you also have to keep them in check because just as like being artists, like your mind wanders and especially, you know, down the road when like Matt yeah. Doe's touring you around, like that shit gets to be a lot. So yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the number one thing with Subtle But You, um, you know, and it's part of my vision, my mission statement, my everything, like on my website, it's there mental health is my number one priority at the end of the day. If my artist is not okay, everything else can wait. And I tell them that all the time. I'm like, if you are not okay, like if your health is not a hundred percent, you know, mentally, physically, whatever, I want to know, and I want to help you and everything else. Let me handle it. Let me kind of put that on pause for you to take a second to breathe. Um, and I think that's so important. You know, I start every meeting you know, with, like I said, we talk about once a week, we do team meetings every, uh, three months about, um, all together. And, you know, it's never like, okay, guys, like it's first and foremost, how are you like, really though? Like, how are you is, are you struggling with anything? You know, is anything going on at home? And I don't expect them to give me their life information and to tell me every single thing. Um, but if they're not okay, you know, and people have told me like, I've, especially this year, it's been hard, not only for them, for me, I've had some Mm -hmm. weeks where I had to tell the team, like, guys, I need to take the week off. I, I, I can't do it right now. And I will not bring anything to the table because I'm not in a good mental headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think that just, you know, I love that we're talking about it. It's so important and it's so like taboo still to talk about. It is. Um, And I just like, don't understand. I'm literally like, like we exist in like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, (laughs) We, we like exist in this industry where I think, 
you know, there's so many other things besides like substance and alcohol abuse, but like, yeah. and, it, and it's so much better than obviously what it was 20 years ago. But like, it's like all of this stuff still happens. And I think people just like neglect the fact that like, when you're living in that environment, it takes like a very strong, like soul and person to like consistently say no, consistently yeah. be like, okay, like this is where my head's at, da, 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 because it eventually takes a toll on you. And it's so hard, even after like the losses that our industry has kind of gone through this year, it's like, why are people not talking about this? Like, why are people still like putting it to the side? Because like, I see this kind of stuff happen. And I know these people are on tour with their TM, with their photographer, with whatever, going to each stop. And I'm like, where were you guys? Like, where were you guys to say, Hey, like, get your head out of your ass. Like, this isn't how you're supposed to be doing. Like, like you, you either need to take a break or we need to get you some help because like, you're like all that stuff, even if you're, I don't care if you're a DJ, like your body's still built like a regular human body. And that takes a toll on you physically and mentally to the point where I feel like a lot of people just get to this spot, especially like very big, like touring musicians, where if they're kind of still in their twenties, like early thirties, it's, it just kind of becomes like a way of life for them. And then it's like, what happens when that way of life is taken away and you no longer have access to all of this stuff and you're just at home and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like what's going on in my mind? And I feel like that's what has like driven people to do things that like, has really affected our scene. And, and I think it's so important to have the conversation because I do put it on the artist manager to like, make sure that their artist is okay. You know? Mm -hmm. Hundred percent, and like I encourage my team, you know, whoever can afford to, to see a psych- psychologist and to have an outlet of someone else to talk to, other than you know, I'm there, but I'm not a professional. Yeah, when it comes absolutely. To the mental health side of stuff, I've dealt with my own stuff. You know, I see a psychologist every week. Um, I, you know, have talked to a life coach um, who actually works in the music industry. She's great. Her name is Aline, and she. I don't know if you've ever heard of. The That's awesome. No. Um, it's basically like a whole coaching thing, but for like anyone in the EDM scene, really from, you know, managers to label owners to artists. Um, and she just kind of like helps you get like your mind set better and to make you realize that, you know, some, like some things are out of your control. Some things are in your control. Mm -hmm. So why not focus on what you can control and kind of just let go of the rest. If you can't control it and there's nothing you could do about it, there's no point of continuing to stress over it, you know? Yeah. Especially now that's like such, such a big thing right now, you know, and she just brings like so much to the table. And I think that's the thing. There are resources in our industry. They're just not spoken about enough and they're not presented enough and they're not, you know, I just think it needs to be like more, like so much more, you know, I have all these ideas for, you know, subtle, but true moving forward. And, you know, because mental health is so important to me, with my team, I want it to be just as important for people who aren't on my team. I want to kind of provide a safe place for people. I don't know how yet exactly, you know, I do have like my little brainstorming board with like all these little ideas, you know, safety and mental health and stuff like that. Um, but I think the first thing is to just like talk about it. Cause I don't think people realize how much people in our industry are suffering from mental health a lot. And like you even mentioned, like the whole drugs and alcohol aspect of it is it's right there all the time for you. You know, when you go to the shows, like it's inevitable, it's there. Um, and I think, you know, just taking proper precautions with that thing, like all that stuff, you know, for my team, it's, you know, probably not 
a usual thing. And like, even when I tell, you know, other managers, there's surprise sometimes. Um, but part of my contract with my artist is I have a drug and alcohol kind of clause in there. Um, and I'm okay. You know, like if you're going to have a few drinks before a show, like, or after it's okay, you know, like we, you know, if you want to smoke a joint, it is what it is. Like, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I have like a no tolerance for hard drugs at shows. Like while you are at the venue, you are meeting people. This is your job at the end of the day. Um, I do not let my artists perform under the influence, like even with alcohol, like it's very, like, I will be like, you're getting half of your stuff before you're set. Like if they choose beer, let's say, or even a bottle, I'll take away the bottle like halfway through. Yeah. Let's continue drinking after if we want to, but there's no point of going on stage all like messed up and stuff like this is your job. Um, and, and it's you like, know, safety for, like, even like when they come and watch, you know, like, let's say Matt comes and watches fools of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's part of the contract as well. If you are at the venue to come watch someone on the team, you are not to be like super messed up on drugs and like, not that yeah. I have to worry. Like my, I'm very lucky, you know, we all, I think everyone kind of dabbles and has had fun, like present past, whatever it may be. Um, I know, you know, some people have had some struggles with it in the past, And I just want it to be, like I said, like a safe place where it is your job at the end of the day and you are a public image you want to give off. Like, I want my team to represent something positive and something that people realize, like, we don't need drugs to have a good time at raves and at shows and at festivals and stuff, you know? And yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, so not everyone I talked to about this. So like, that's not very like usual. No, it's amazing, but But it's amazing. And it's like everything covering like what you just said, like in the last five minutes, like it starts like with people who have ideas, like, like yourself, like, like me that are like open to having these conversations for like the average consumer to listen to as well as industry people. And as well as artists, because that's how like our industry develops and becomes something different is, is when like people like you and me become enough in a greater number that have these roles to start implicating these things. And it's like, as an artist, like I can set an example, like if I were working at like Goldman and Sachs and I was going in to clock in, do you think I would be railed off of something? Like, no, absolutely not. Like when you walk into the venue, not only, you know, if I was your artist, am I representing you? as your team, I'm representing everyone else who's an artist on my team as yeah. well as myself. So it's like, why would you, it's like, if you really love it and you're really in it for the music, like why would you ever jeopardize an opportunity that's been given to you for you to showcase your music and showcase your art? And like, you don't know who you're going to meet. You never exactly. know who you're going to meet. Like I, I met the talent buyer for Bass Rush at a show off wind that I wasn't playing at, that I went back to back with the headliner. And it's like, then I met him and I was in the right mindset to have like an open conversation and like I'm a person where yeah I have a little bit of social anxiety but you know when I'm really like not okay is when I've had way too much to drink or way too much of whatever then I really can't have a conversation and in turn I just lost an opportunity that I could have had to not only like better myself but better my team better my other artists and I think that's like something that's so important because I just like can't ever wrap it around my head when I have, because I do have the residency, you know, I see a lot of headliners who come in and I see these guys who are either like super, super seasoned. They come and they do their job. They have such a good head on their shoulders. Granted, I get it. They're like 35 to 40. They've been doing it for a really long time. They're past that phase. But then Mm -hmm. it also like hurts my heart where when I see people come in and, you know, 
they'll leave bags out. They'll leave all this other stuff out and they'll go on stage and like, they forget their headphones or they forget this and that. And I'm like, this is your job. Like you have five things you got to bring with you. Like, I don't understand how hard it is. And, and it's just like, it's, it's not worth it. And there's nothing that's going to benefit yourself from it. And it's like, I just feel like as like the crowds get bigger and you do more and like over, like over and over time, like if you have such a big, like anxiety with being on stage, like the only way to like face it and conquer it is to do it sober and to do it and be like, okay, how do I figure this out? Because then you can put other things into place where you're not potentially like jeopardizing it. But if you need like a whole fucking bottle or a whole whatever to get up there and like do what you do on stage, like I feel like that's the point where like a team member has to come in and be like, Hey, like we got to figure this out. Cause you're so talented. And why would you ever put your life in jeopardy or your career in jeopardy just because you, you know, you have to do it because you don't have to. And, yeah. and I think it's like starting that and nipping it at the bud with like having the focus on mental illness and having the focus on, you know, what's being presented to you. Because if, you know, I've, I've talked to people too and they're like, Oh, well, like it's easy to make the choice to say no. Like it's easy to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yes, I get that. But are you playing club shows three times, you know, three times a week, every single week for six months at a time, because eventually it gets to that point where it's not easy to say, you know, no. And that's just the reality of it. You know? Yeah. It's not, you know, it could be easy for one person to say no, but someone might've struggled five years ago with substance abuse. And for them, it's really not easy. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, and that's the thing, like, to me, it's like, there's a time and place for everything. Like, I'm not like, you can never do drugs or drink. Like, no, no, the industry we're in. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a time and place for, you know, I think we all go to festivals like a few times a year and like have a good time. And it is what it is. Like, I'm not trying to you know, at the end of the day, it's not about controlling your everyday. It's about controlling your, like not controlling, but making sure that you're doing this and taking it seriously as a job. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, if you want to, you know, I'm super into like, especially lately, like manifesting and like, yeah. you know, just positive affirmations and seeing what you want to attain. And I'm like, if you're not acting like a superstar per se now, like when I, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, let's say you get to a point where you're playing like one of the biggest shows of your life. And like, people recognize you everywhere you go. Like, do you want to be recognized as like, Oh, look, it's that guy who like I saw doing X, Y, Z or whatever. And who's always fucked up at their show. And like, then I'm like, I don't think any of us want that, you know? No. Yeah. And I'm like, why not? I know that we're young and like, we could have fun and stuff, but it is a job. Like if you're going to your government job, you know, where you sit at your desk 40 hours a week, are you showing up and like having like 10 beers while you're there and like doing whatever? No, you're taking it seriously because you need to function. And it's the same thing in the music industry. Like you still, you know, especially because so many eyes are on you too. Yeah. Um, especially now, especially exactly, you know, and it's, I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, it's to each their own, but, uh, I think also, you know, if you, start to kind of experiment with, you know, and doing drugs and doing like drinking a lot before your shows, it starts off small, but I think, you know, from what I've seen, it always gets bigger. It always Um, gets bigger. And it just, it's so easy for it to become an addiction. It's so easy for it to become dangerous and, you know, it affects your mental health, like at the end of the day. And like, it's just, to me, it's just not worth it. And you know, I kind of, all my artists understand it, you know, I'm like I said, like, I'm really like lucky that they're kind of all on the same page when it comes to that stuff. Um, but it's also appreciated because they're not, 
you know, we usually go to as many shows as possible. Like we all kind of go together. Yeah. Um, I'm there a lot. You know, my boyfriend comes and we're all sober. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like I need you to be sober, but I could do what I want. No, no. I'm working too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're all in it together. So we'll have maybe a beer or two, of course, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's part of like the social surrounding and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I loved what you said about like, man, like manifesting and stuff. And it's like having like that vision in mind. And like, I think when everyone has that vision in mind, something that I've seen from like talking with like the black tire sex machine guys and like talking with people who are very seasoned and very successful is that they prioritize their physical and mental health through all of it. Like that's part of the vision. Like you want to be like EDC headliner. You want to be doing this. You want to be touring year round. Well, like I hate to break it to you. Your body and your mind should be in top peak physical mental condition because you're enduring so much stuff already just from the fact of traveling, not getting on a regular sleep schedule, things that like are basic human essential needs to be able to function correctly. You take a lot away, like a lot of that away when you're touring. So you have to like prioritize it over the top by the time you're there. And it's like, that is part of the vision. Like the vision in most people's minds, I think doesn't include you having to have a copious amount of drinks or substance abuse before you go on stage. Like that's never anybody's intent. But I think when certain artists get to this level, it's just kind of like a downhill spiral. And then, but like before that spiral gets to the bottom, it's like a little bit too late for them to really like a kind of like save themselves. Like they have to have a team that goes in and says, okay, intervention X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it's not you doing it because like, you're like a mom or you're like a whatever it's you're doing it. Cause you care and you like want, want the best for them. And you like, you know, like, you know, their, their capabilities and you know, their potential as artists. So it's like, I'm just not going to let something stupid that wrecks nine out of 10 of these kids, you know, happen to you. And that's just comes from like a heartfelt sense of caring and like friendship, which is so important within these teams. hundred percent. And like, it's so sad to see, you know, like they're, so many stories of artists in the industry who kind of go down that. that so many talented artists. That's the thing, you know, and at the end of the day, it's just like, to me, that's sad. And I don't want to see anyone really, not just my artists, but I don't want to see people going through that. And if I could do my part with my team to kind of just let them know what is important in that sense and to kind of find ways to help on that aspect and on that spectrum and to tell them like, listen, like, I don't want to see you go there. You know, I've Mm -hmm. dealt with personal stuff, you know, one of my family members who had like addiction issues and it's not pleasant to see. It's not pleasant to the person itself who's going through that. It's not fun for them just as much as it's not fun for everyone around them. And I remind them all the time, kind of like you said before, what you do not only affects your career, it affects my career and it affects Mm -hmm. the career of all the other artists on the team. Do you want to put everyone else through that? You know what I mean? Um, And I don't know, at the end of the day, we're lucky. We have that really like tight knit family. Which is awesome. Vibe, you know, we talk to each other all like pretty much every single day. We have our little group chats. We have our, you know, team sessions and stuff. And I think everyone kind of realizes the importance of that, of we are a team. We all represent each other. We're all helping each other get to where we want to be. And it's not by falling down, you know, like a dark path or like a, you know, whatever you want it to be that we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. It it happens like, you know, not only in terms of, you know, we're talking mental health here. um, People will go through hard times. It's inevitable. It's it's inevitable. It's going to be butterflies and rainbows and happiness and all that stuff. 
Um, but if we're all there for each other and we could support each other and we don't have the extra, you know, weight of like having drug problems or needing to drink at every show and like getting super messed up and then not sleeping and like waking up the next day, not being able to work and all this stuff, you know, it's like small steps that just kind of help when things are even harder to not make them go even you know, yeah, because you're going to run into problems inevitably, especially with like social media and X, Y, Z nowadays, like your artist is going to run into something. There's going to be something down the line that people just don't fucking agree with. And like, that's hard enough for like people to deal with. And especially in like a time right now, like I think people for some reason have like forgotten artists are like humans as well. And like having people attack them on social media and having this like cancel culture, like I understand like cancel culture and accountability are two different things. I understand both should be, you know, brought to light, but you know, like telling someone that they should die on Twitter or telling someone they should X, Y, Z, like those things should never be said. Like they shouldn't, they should never be said and they affect the person directly. Like I know artists right now that like are playing shows. Like I'm on a W2. Like I, I have a residency. I'm, I'm an employee along with 85 other people at, at a, at a restaurant, at a bar, at a club. And I know really big artists that are taking shows right now that, you know, live in this state and like they're off their Twitter because they are in such a bad mental place. And I've seen them and I've gone to lunch with them and like their mental capacity right now is fucked. And on top of that, they can't even see anybody who they want to see because like everyone who's on their team is out of the state of Florida besides their manager. So it's like, it really gets to these guys. And I don't think people understand that sometime. And, and I just hope when, you know, hopefully in the next, you know, few months, we start to kind of go back to normal life. And I think the second that people are, are able to go out and do, you know, what they did before or take some mental capacity to, you know, go outside and actually, you know, go back to their daily lives. I think that negativity will, will slightly diminish, but it, it'll always be there. And it's, it's, it's kind of concerning because like, I hope it just doesn't continue to go down this like negative path because that's not why we're here. And it's like, there's like lights in the industry, like such as you, like such as me, such as so many other people that are like why the industry is what it is and what it's like built to be and hopefully what it'll like continue to become. But I think it's just so important to keep those things in mind when like approaching like the social media aspect. And that's why it's so important to just like try if you can to like wipe the whole, you know, substance and alcohol abuse to a certain level, you know, off, off the board because there's already other things to deal with. I mean, as an artist, like you get told no a thousand times, people hate your music, people love your music, you know, you want to get on this label, the label doesn't want you, you don't have enough data, da 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 da. It's like, there's so many other facets that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. Um, and like just on the point of social media, it's been crazy, especially this year, in my opinion. Oh, everyone just on, you know what I mean? Like everyone's just like reading into stuff. And yeah. it's been tough, but you know, something I do, because it was getting to a point where even me, I was freaking out. I was like, do I post this? Like, do I not post this? Like, and like, I wasn't trying to keep, I don't keep up with like too, too much. Yeah. Um, when it comes like Twitter, like I'll kind of scroll through and like, I'll do like a few things here and there, but I try, like, as soon as I see drama, I'm like, nope. And I just like close the app. I'm like, I cannot do it. I need to get better at that. Cause it ruins your mental capacity. Like I've like taken my phone at like nine o'clock at night and I put it in the other room and I don't touch it yeah. until the morning because like, 
I hate going on Twitter and seeing like something bad towards like a friend of mine or something bad towards me because then like I'll go to sleep and I'll like dream about it and I'll be like, fuck, dude, like this sucks. Like da da da. But yeah, it's definitely gotten to the point where I think everyone needs to try and limit that. And and I think it just takes like a certain mental capacity. Like, like a lot of people during quarantine, like they went out and they further themselves, they got a degree online, they got certifications, but then like predominantly there's this bigger percentage of people who just became like absorbed by social media and absorbed by the phone. And it's like, it's the only thing you can expect when like people are like not, you know, financially okay. They don't have jobs. They're being told to stay inside. I mean, you're going to get angry. Like you're going to get angry people. You're going to get people who are frustrated and they just take it out on people who they know are going to see it and who they know are going to feel affected by it. And it's like a really fucked up thing, but that's kind of where we're at right now. So hopefully, you know, as time goes by, like it'll start to get better. Fingers crossed. Fingers Um, crossed. (laughs) And I mean, I I think it definitely will, but I like greatly appreciate you coming on today and talking all of this knowledge. I'm so excited for like your team and Matt and Mike and Fools of Wisdom and all of them. I'm really hoping that like, by the end of the year, we can meet somewhere. That would be really great. Yeah. Hopefully if not, we'll be there like next year at a festival and we'll all get to meet and have hugs and all of that stuff. (laughs) But thank you so much, Steph, for coming on. Everyone, please check out Subtle But True. Wonderful company. um, Represents a multitude of up and coming bass artists that are just going to be killing it in the next few years. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, Steph. I'm going to link all of your stuff underneath. And yeah. Thank you so much for having me.